You're listening to Not Good Enough, an inadequate response to inadequate responses. My name is Mitch Alexander. I'm Tom McLean. I'm Tom Lang. And I'm Evie. We have Isaac here once again to keep us honest with all the fact-checking and everything that we need. Um, we've got a fucking massive show. Turns out a lot of stuff happened this week. I don't know if people have caught it, but if you haven't, Not Good Enough is here to fill you in in all the details. <laughs> also, if you haven't caught any of the stuff that's happening this week, like, ah, oh, I don't know if you're lucky or yeah. just unlucky or something. Something's going on, that's for sure. It's been a big week. Yeah, at this point, I'm kind of into the idea of like an old school media method. So not the old media, but an old school media method. So just once a week, listen to Not Good Enough. You get caught up on all the terrible, horrible things and you get given a little slice of hope and you just tune out for the rest of the week. You're like, oh, I'm good. <laughs> you just come out of a coma and the doctor has put on this episode of this podcast. Firstly, podcasts are a type of media that have recently been invented uh, in which we- yeah, anyway, it's weird. I, I got to say that I'm not a fan of using if you haven't caught it yet as a as like a news thing in the sort of worst <laughs> pandemic in in a hundred years. Oh, no. If you haven't caught it yet, like keep washing your hands, uh, wear a mask if you go outside, etc. I mean, the biggest thing this week, obviously, was the massive protests all around the country, um, ostensibly the Black Lives Matter protests, but it's turned into such a huge global movement now that it really is just like, it's a, it's a protest against all of the conditions perpetuated by every state against every non-white person at this point. Like, it's just, mm. it's just massive. Um, so obviously it started in America, it's spread all across America and that's going, that's going wild. And, uh, in Australia, we had some smaller protests through the week and then Saturday just gone. We're recording it the, uh, the Sunday after, uh, literally tens of thousands of people went out onto the streets in, most of them had a lot of masks and there was a lot of hand sanitizer around, which was good because we're still in the middle of a fucking pandemic. Yeah. Um, I was amazed at that. I've never seen so many masks. Like I was expecting a lot of people in masks friggin' everyone was in masks yeah except the cops war are really good uh, <laughs> protest organizers um in in a normal situation so um for them to like you know really go the extra mile and make sure everyone had sanitizer everyone was masked up properly everyone keeping distance uh it, it's really incredible yeah that's war that's uh warriors of the aboriginal resistance the protest organizer group that's right yep yeah i will say as well uh, a lot of the cops that i saw were in masks, but mm. they had their fucking their nose peeking out from the top of them, yeah. which Doesn't is this. You may as well have your mask around your around your neck. It's just the <laughs> stupidest chuddery I've seen. Like you, like you're supposed to be setting an example as well. You're supposed to be there to like you know be shining bastions of law and order, and it's just like fucking the weird like nose whistling cops just. <laughs> those, uh, like those coronavirus truthers in the states who wear the masks with the whole like center part of the mask like cut out with scissors, just as like I'm wearing it, but I'm not wearing it. <laughs> so the protests themselves were fucking massive. Like we said, tens of thousands of people. We're still trying to figure out the exact numbers. Well, you know, better approximates of the numbers. Um, but they were as well, like not only peaceful, but they had a really good energy. There was a really mm. big, like, solidaritous vibe. There was a real um, sense of um, aggrievement and aggression, but it wasn't violent. It was pointed and it was focused. And it was it was amazing because there were so many people there. And, like, I can only speak for the one in Melbourne, but, like, the vibe itself was incredible, especially because the cops weren't being antagonistic dickheads like we know them to be, like, at the IMARC protest, where they just mm. punched people in the back of the head and fucking trampled them with their horses. Um, Pepper spray a whole crowd, hit a journalist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You love it. So, yeah, all across Australia, the protests were extremely peaceful and extremely well attended, except for New South Wales, where attendance was slightly less than we were hoping because the day before it was ruled illegal and then the day of that ruling was overturned and it was yeah, a, 15 a ruled minutes illegal. before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, people were still turning before. up, like, even despite the illegality, quote that's unquote. That's it. Yeah. And I think that's really impressive. It means pretty much most of the people at that New South Wales protest were there knowing full well this was not an endorsed official legal protest and they went fuck it i don't care that's the whole point of a protest is yeah. we don't need permission to be here yeah. so that's the on. first time i've seen like i would uh, like i just call them normies just because they're probably like you know they'll go to protest but they're not like you know 
invested in going regularly. Not that that's a bad thing. Like most people don't, but um, that's the first time I've seen them, like people like that say, wait, protests can be illegal. Like you need to endorse them. (laughs) And just that realization dawning. It's like, wait, why are we asking? (laughs) Yeah, that was was really cool that that so many people decided to come out on what they thought would be an illegal protest. It's it's heartening. Um, The New South Wales cops though, proved themselves to be the shitheads we always knew them to be. Um, and they turned a peaceful protest into a, a shit show. And it is entirely on them. They are entirely to blame. Everyone involved in that should face some sort of consequence, uh, whether they are street-level cops or they are the police minister or the police um, commissioner. Um, even New South Wales Premier Berejiklian, I reckon, she should be fucking involved in that as well. They are they're just, they're, they are the most aggressive, weird, like... Like, publicly aggressive fuckheads at the moment, and I do not understand why. And we, we should uh, summarise what happened, is this is after the protest had finished, um, uh, a small number of protesters, like, much less than 100, it was a few dozen protesters, and maybe even non-protesters. No, 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 100, 100%. They were a few dozen protesters mm. that were kettled in, we'll explain that in a minute, but there were they did it at Central Station in Sydney. So there was yeah. dozens and dozens of non-protesters just trying to get home that were involved in this. And the cops kind of corralled them into this part of the station where they couldn't exit and then basically just uh, attacked them with uh, pepper spray and things. Yep. Just basic- And they said they were dispersing them, but of course they weren't. These people are at the train station trying to leave to go home. They were already dispersed and the cops- had pushed them into the station. So they were not allowing them to disperse out of the exits. So it was just kind of cops trying to just get theirs in just to, because they were pissed off basically about being protested against. Yep. From what we can tell. Uh, Mitch, did you want to explain um, what the term kettling means? Yeah, so the cops did, uh, they enforced a technique called kettling, which is where they deliberately box protesters in. Um, and it's not just a matter of crowd containment. It's a matter, it's it's a deliberate ploy to raise tensions with protesters. So whenever you see police, um, quote unquote, kettling people, what they're trying to do is promote a reaction of some sort. Um, in the States, we've seen it a lot where they will like hem people in and they'll either um, block off their only route of access or they'll literally encircle people. But then what happens with that is that they will keep them there until, say, past curfew. And then they go, oh, you're all out past curfew. We're going to beat the shit out of you. Um, Another thing that uh, kettling is used for is essentially to frighten people and to make them uh, act uh, irrationally and scared or aggressively. And that's what seems to happen in uh, yesterday in Sydney was that they started to push people into the station itself, whether they wanted to get in there or not, then they were yelling at them to disperse, despite the fact that on one side they had the train station, which you have to pay to get into, and then all of the access to the streets outside were blocked off by cops saying, you have to get outside, you have to get outside, you have to get outside. And when they couldn't, the crowds got agitated, and then they used that as an excuse to fucking pepper spray them because they're jack meathead thugs. They're pieces of shit, and there is footage of these individual officers who were being pieces of shit, and again, they should be fucking persecuted. Now the- yeah, there's a photo of a, a one cop holding a woman in a, in a chokehold mm. to, to keep her face in the stream of another cop's pepper spray. Just, just, like, just the sick worst. Stuff. Like, you, we all remember that kid from high school who was, like, bragging about being in Golden Gloves boxing. And, like, would just, like, try to pick fights with kids that were, like, oh, come on, come on, you want... And, like, would would try to, you know, have a have a biff before the teachers came just so he could sort of show off his, like, the new thing he learnt last week. That's what the cops are. They were itching yeah. for this shit, and we know that because they were waiting at Central Station for this to happen. Like, this didn't happen during the fucking protest. Right, because during the protest they were outnumbered, you know, 10,000 to one. And just to emphasise the fact as well, like... This isn't just like throughout the force. This is endorsed by the head of their forces. It's endorsed by the police minister as well. Um, so the police minister, David Elliott, said that Black Lives Matter protesters are quote unquote certifiably insane. Mm. Um, this is the same guy who also is okay with like police strip searching his kids. So mm-hmm. you tell me what to think <laughs> about this guy. And also in 2017, he assaulted a 17-year-old who clipped his Lexus and told him, I work for the cops. I pay for the badges. 
I don't get one. Like, yeah. it, he's he's a he's. He's a pig in the old school sense of it, not in the, I mean, in also the other sense, but like in the, like, just a, just a piece of shit, terrible, but like the guy at a barbecue, you always avoid like just that type of just, yeah. I mean, I I am wondering if the certifiably insane thing will actually hold up in court. If any of those people get fined for a central (laughs) station. Oh yeah. I I just wasn't in sound mind. Like that's a defense, and you're just like, well, the 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 the, the police minister said, uh, you know, certifiably insane, so it can't be held responsible for my actions. <laughs> but also, imagine just looking at a crowd of like tens of thousands of people across the country, just being like, yeah, they're all crazy. I'm yeah. not going to engage with their ideas at all. They're clearly just crazy. Yeah. Could it be me? No, it's the children no, no, who no. are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, there was also. Um, talk from uh this i mean this is the new south wales police i i want to make note of it as well you may have seen footage of a new south wales cop kicking over a a young black teen in sydney Mm. not like five days before these protests were planned like during the whole hey police are being brutal all around the world yeah yeah Mm. but it's international news that there are anti-police brutality protests kicking off all over the world and this new south wales cop decided to kick over a teen in sydney because he mouthed off at him and While police commissioner mick recorded. fuller he knew that he was being recorded mm. oh yeah sorry yeah yeah the big thing is he was very obviously being recorded at the and time when, when, when we say kick him over like i i, I want to make that clear that it was like a move like he had that kid's hands behind his back and then he just like kicked out his feet from under him so that his teeth hit the pavement yes like, yeah. it wasn't kick. just like a you know I've kicked you and you've fallen over. It was a, you're going down in a way that you have no way to brace yourself. And it's a, like, I saw that. I was like, that's like a technique. That's a move. That's a special move. It's a sweet kick, Tom. So it is a technique. He already had that kid under control. Yeah. Like, he didn't have to do anything. Yeah, yeah. And Police Commissioner Mick Fuller said that cop was having a bad day. And that's the defence. That's the whole defence. Oh, well, you know, when you have a bad day and you deploy a special move on someone (laughs) who already got completely restrained so that they break their teeth on the fucking asphalt? Fuck Mm. me. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's, when you see this kind of stuff happening, like, the cops are well aware that police violence is currently, like, people are rising up against it around the world. They look at this, they read the room... They, they're not unaware of this, but, but instead of going, oh, we should fucking keep our heads down even more than usual and maybe behave ourselves, uh, they go, oh, fuck this. I got to push back against this somehow. I'm going to be the cop who's going to just, uh, I don't know, win for the police or something. Like, what are they thinking? They're just angry. I definitely think there is some, like, um, there is there is some point to be made especially we're seeing it in america but even in australia of like there is something about the way police enforce things even in the public eye even when they're being filmed which is trying to say don't fuck with us um and we even had uh, again police new south wales police commissioner mick fuller saying the quiet part out loud when he was talking about the uh illegal strip searching of teenagers in new south wales he essentially said like it's good that young people have a little bit of fear of the police quote unquote which is just it's just nonsense. Like, that, how? At what point then do you logically stop? We've already got people with fucking guns looking at protests. We've always already got people with guns attending, um, like break and enters when the perp isn't there. Like, we're already fucking scared of them. That's the thing, though. They don't. I don't think there is a logical endpoint for them. Um, no. When it comes to the police, they're so used to you know, if they if they if they can sort of cross the line, they're used to getting away with it. So they'll keep on pushing that. Uh, you yeah. know, if if they're used to, um, you know, looking up details of you know, domestic violence victims and not getting any sort of repercussions for that, they'll keep doing it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, like there's no incentive not to because you've you've got this situation where you can be like, oh, you know, this 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 16 year old boy is mouthed back at me, and so I'm going to use my fucking down forward back low kick move on him on fucking <laughs> national television, and then your bloody police minister gets on and's like, oh, well, he had a bad day though, like. Yeah. You don't get a repercussion. You don't. What know. can you fucking do that people don't back you up and just be like, "That was shit." They're, they're trying to find where that line is, and they're not finding it yet. I mean, it's the cops in a lot of these protests. Uh, they're no longer defending the people or the law. They're defending the cops. It's in Melbourne. You saw where were all the cops? 
They were at the front of the police station. There was a row after row after row of cops just protecting the police station. This is a protest against the police. Um, the cops are not defending some other part of society. They're not defending the protesters. But it's their brand new police station. They can't get it all dirty. <laughs> they're, they're now defending themselves and that's not their job. The role of the police is not to defend the police. It's to defend the people. It's to defend capital, we know. <laughs> well, it's to defend capital, absolutely. Anyway, this dovetails into our next point pretty, um, pretty well as well. Um, in terms of who encourages, uh, you know, that sort of invincible nature of the police. Yeah, Mc- McLean, McLean mentioned the cop being on national TV and, like, then his, uh, the police commissioner backed him up. Well, well, it turns out being on national TV through our media centres isn't actually that bad for a cop that <laughs> assaults kids. So a big component of, uh, I think, the mismatch of the reality and the message, I think, in, in America, and we're starting to see it more and more in Australia as well, between, like, police brutality at the protests and the um, the message that people are hearing is the mismatch is because of the media. The media are entirely authoritarian bootlickers, even in this country. And we decided to do sort of like a a chronological breakdown of how the media has been helping to defend cops for the longest time, like defend cops doing terrible, terrible shit, and how they tried to spin these protests um, that happened over the weekend. And just, it's genuinely enraging. Like, we're all in the, the group chat together, and we were just losing our shit through the week, seeing what some of these fucking journalists were doing, how they were phrasing things, how they- well, the headlines that they were running. It's just disgusting. Fucking disgusting. Terrible. Let's go on with some examples. Go. And, and look, we're generally against reading theory on this podcast, but- <laughs> <laughs> Anti-theory oh, <no>. podcast. <laughs> but- Theory's, theory's good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just being contrary just for the we're sake dumber, of it. Just because we're doesn't mean we're ideologically committed to being dumb. <laughs> no, I will remain stupid forever and I'm committed to that. Um, the, what, what we're going to itemise um, in terms of talking about the timeline of media bo- bootlicking can be um, generally described as manufacturing consent. Um, yeah. Rather than explain that term, I think it's probably best that we go through what has actually transpired and then you can understand the concept in real time. Love it. Yeah. So plan. before all of this was kicking off in Australia, um, the media was already doing a terrible job of covering um, the indigenous issues in this country. Um, mm. The like we've we've we put together this document here. We've the Channel Seven are on record of saying Australia doesn't have a history of police violence, <laughs> which is just oh demonstrably not true. Yeah. It's it's it's, it's like, well okay. You guys know the Southern Cross tattoo. Uh, and the like Eureka flag that is is the closest sort of white racist Australians get to our Confederate kind of flag. But the Eureka flag comes from Ballarat, um, which is all about a miners' rebellion against the violent police presence who were trying to take down like effectively the working class. They rised up, they killed a lot of cops, there was a huge fight, and they won like the right to you know, work for themselves and stuff. Um, yeah, like Australia's it, entire history is police violence through and through. Yeah, and that's not even yeah. getting into the history of police violence against Aboriginals. Yeah, which, which is you just know. the friggin' entire thing. They didn't even call them police. They just called it, I don't know, Australia. Yeah. The um, Also, Channel 7, when all of the um, the... Literal riots and the protests kicked off in America had um, some reporters over there who were pushed, shoved, beaten, assaulted by American police while they were um, while mm. they were trying to report. Um, our Prime Minister Scott Morrison has actually called for an investigation into the <clears> officers <throat> which uh, who assaulted, which I'm assuming was just sort of like he left a voicemail to like yeah. some poor press secretary for Donald Trump. It will never be listened to. It's never going um, to happen. He, he just Maybe called a, a police station in the US just randomly from the phone book and was like, <laughs> hey, it's Scott. Yeah, I investigate the cops, spite. Yeah. Like, what is what is the investigation there? Oh, can we find out why the cop hit that specific person? Fucking, I don't know. 
Uh, maybe the same reason they've hit those thousands of other people. But we'll look into yeah, it. Yeah, because they were just indiscriminately hitting anyone, regardless of whether they were journalists or not. Uh, yeah. Just like a you know a cop at an IMAC protest in in in, in Victoria in in October. Like you know, uh, oh cool, yeah, checks out. Thanks. That, for that's the what gets me about like journalists getting really mad about like journalists being <laughs> like like you know being the victim of cop violence. It's like oh, but the journalists, you can't hit them. It's like no, you can't hit anybody. Yeah. The, yeah, the journalists are like, but first they're meant to come for the socialists. <laughs> I'm all ready to say nothing. <laughs> um, in the in the show notes, we'll put in a great thread from uh, Keaton Joshi on Twitter, who has detailed a whole bunch of Channel 7's bullshit. Um, a lot a lot of media companies are doing this, where they will uh, focus on looting rather than any sort of police mm. violence or the message about it. They just focus on like people taking stuff from stores. Um, and Sunrise on Seven, which is their like morning news quote unquote show, a uh, lot of fluff, a lot of ads, bullshit. Um, they've just got a, a shit track record. They have uh, in the past continued to platform Pauline Hanson, even when she wasn't a politician, and they had to pretend she had a veneer of credibility. They just had her on as a racist talking head. Um, Samantha Armitage has also at one point congratulated a mixed race twin for looking white. Maria has taken after her half Jamaican mum with dark skin and brown eyes and curly dark hair. But Lucy got her dad's fair skin, good on her, along with straight red hair and blue eyes. <laughs> the what thing I the- love the most about that clip is just Kosh's face. <laughs> He's like, dude, you're yeah. not supposed to say that. You're on mic. <laughs> you can't say that. Um... And speaking of David Kosh, I always, I'll always remember the one time there was uh, riots at one of our detention centres where our uh, asylum seekers being held illegally were protesting for basic rights and he did a like straight down the camera, like tough man um, sort of cut where he's saying, there's no place for these types of, of protests and rioting in Australia, so you are not welcome here if you keep it up. It's really like paternalistic racist shit. Um but as well, like, wild even the ABC. Like, by the way, you're not welcome here. It's like, they fucking know, David. <laughs> yeah. This isn't a fucking shot. I mean, he's, he's doing it for the white racist viewers. Like, it's just, it's a, it's a garbage show. It's a garbage channel. Was it Sunrise where they had the protesters protesting the show and they, like, blocked out the blinds? I think the, so, because they're, like... Of the street behind they're them. They're on and George put, like, Street. Stock so they have, like... Street? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that was Sunrise. <laughs> Did they really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they green screened in a street with no protests. A street with the protests. That's right, because they friggin' had one of those um, those discussion segments about yeah. Aboriginal people without any decent representation on it. Just Crazy. a bunch of yeah white people talking about how racist we should or shouldn't be. Um, and then there was a big protest about um, it. Yeah, and even even the ABC isn't immune to this type of criticism. Um, they've had public, they've had stories uh, asking, "Is the looting in the US tied to protests over the death of George Floyd?" Like what? Mm. What? Which is it? What is, is a that? Great, uh, which is a great loaded question. Is the looting tied to George Floyd, or is it just looting for the hell of it? What type yeah. of? I have noticed the ABC. I want to fucking call them out. Stop with the clickbait headlines. You're better than that. They do yeah, it think- so much the last, like, few years and especially mm. the last six months. A lot of just, like, this number three reasons for COVID death's going to shock you. What? Shut this up. Is not, this is not a coincidence. The ABC is actually not the organisation it used to be. They restructured it internally. They are now very much towing the sort of centre-right government kind of line. Thanks, Ida. Yeah, yeah Ida Buttrose, now the head of ABC. Uh, really, just a... Just an extraordinarily brazen pick. Um, she was also picked over a whole bunch of more qualified people. Doesn't matter. We know it's fucked. But after that type of shit for the last two weeks from our media, we get closer to these protests and we get to Thursday night where The Age publishes an article that I think, McLean, you want to sound off on? <laughs> oh, yeah. This I think you've had thing. some things to say. So these <laughs> these two journalists, Noel Tao and Tom Cowie, printed this article that was just astonishingly irresponsible journalism. Uh, The headline was like, 
spitting threat to police. Uh, they had a, a senior government source, uh, an, a anonymous senior government source, telling them that uh, the that the uh, protesters have been uh, sending threats to the police, saying that they were going to spit on them and use inflammatory chants and stuff. Uh, these tactics that are designed to provoke physical confrontation from the police. Um, so one, like. No actual source there. We've got this anonymous guy saying that he heard that the police had received some threats from some protesters. Like, there's five fucking levels of anonymity there. Mm. And also a senior government source, uh, as we've covered on the podcast, not always known for telling the truth. Yeah, they're just like, the, the, the article is, hey, the government, at least some people in the government, want people to be thinking that the protesters are planning violence. Mm. That's it. That's 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 what the article is. Is like, hey, we've got some senior government sources who are spreading spurious information, paving the way for police to kick people's asses, and then say, oh no, is the, the the protesters made us do it. But mm. the the thing that really gets me about this is how much assumption in there that the police like don't have any fucking autonomy. Like, <laughs> yeah. if 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 I. If I deploy a tactic that is designed to provoke physical confrontation and then I receive physical confrontation, that's still the physical confronter's fault. If I yeah. chant, Mitch is an idiot, and then he punches me, <laughs> oh. Oh. like, and is his defense like, oh, he used an inflammatory chant, though? Is that a good excuse? Or is that something that we would sit a five-year-old down yeah. and say, that's not good enough? Oh, that's the name of the podcast. Hey. But like, <laughs> it's, 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 serious it's not an excuse stuff. that we accept from a child. It's, a s- it's a thing that like, if you see like a, a domestic <laughs> violence situation and the, the husband is like, oh, but she made me so mad. Like that is the classic fuck you, you horrible shit excuse and that is the thing that a, a senior government source is being like oh well you know we're gonna see some violence from the police but it's gonna be because the protesters ooh, they made him pretty mad and you know a police officer if you make a police officer mad he's gonna break your head because that's the kind of people that we employ as the police what the fuck a senior government official has uh, has told us that the victorian police are big babies and you need to be nice to them because <laughs> otherwise ooh. just like we hold the police to a lower level of accountability <laughs> than a five-year-old child it is <laughs> yeah. disgusting and that is disgusting from the senior government source it is disgusting from Noel Tal. it is disgusting from tom cowie it is disgusting from the police it is fucking disgusting i fucking hate it like if somebody hits somebody and this is like again i've 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 <laughs> i've worked with special needs children you put a poster up on the wall it says <laughs> don't hit mm. <laughs> don't hit i can use my words I can make an angry face, but I mustn't hit. That, it, is, it is a thing that is internalizable by very small children. It is not internalizable by the police because they are trained. The poster on the police wall says, hit, go, go for it. Like, make sure your dominance <laughs> is established. If somebody's mouthing back to you, it's time to bring out the OC foam because these cunts have no actual... Uh, whatchamacallit, they have no actual incentive to restrain themselves at all. I really like these cunts have no whatchamacallit. <laughs> it's so jaunty. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Fuck I think um, the thing <laughs> about this article, though, like I've seen The Age publish a lot of credulous shit in my time, but this one particularly, I woke up, I saw that article, I was like, what the fuck? It had already been edited like once when yeah. I woke up and I read that article, like the headline had already been edited. It got edited like two or three times throughout the course of the day to, just to they, – they realised they fucked up that bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Did it end up being activists plan trouble for Melbourne Black Lives protest? No, the article was edited a couple of times, um, but it, it wasn't taken down. It was edited so that the headline was just focusing on the, the COVID risk. So the ed- headline was changed to from uh, the police fear spitting threat, something like that, to now is not the time to risk health, um, says the Victoria's Chief Health Officer, Brett Sutton, uh, blah, 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 blah. But there's still the segment in the article saying that a senior government source told The Age, police are preparing for tactics from some protesters on Saturday designed oh. to provoke physical confrontation. Mm. Oh, they're preparing. Because oh, that's preparing so, for tactics. That's, that's the thing I was going to say, is that what fucking activist group was would 
like call either the cops or a, like the se- a senior government source and let them know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Like there's no, <laughs> there's, no one is actually going, oh, you come out, we're going to spit on you. Like, no. Like maybe there is a snitch inside the activist groups. That happens a lot of the time. But the way it was framed to start with was like, we've been getting nasty DMs and we've been getting snitch tagged on Twitter, and I gotta say, we're worried about being spat on. It's like fuck up, shut up. Yeah. Also, <laughs> what does preparing for these tactics mean? Because it's just like sitting down, and just being like, people might make you mad. Don't hit them. Like, is that just that? That's always the training, right? Surely that's always the training for police. If someone makes you mad, don't hit them. Because that's the training for everyone who lives in a fucking society. <laughs> oh, apparently think- not. Apparently, they need special tactics training to not hit someone when they call you a murderer for the murders you did. I think it's also, you know, you're going to a protest. Activists have threatened police command with inflammatory chanting. Uh, it's like, <laughs> yeah. what uh, did you think this protest would involve? If you can't send some cops that will be able to handle some inflammatory chanting, there may be swears, guys. Um, so don't bring the young or delicate cops, like, and other forms of physical abuse. Like... <laughs> other forms of inflammatory chanting and other forms of physical abuse. Maybe don't bring your cops that are, I don't know, tiny baby birds um, <laughs> who will be physically harmed by being yelled at. Murdered uh, by words. It's also, uh, what did you say that the headline got changed to uh, eventually being about the coronavirus risk? Yeah. So it sounds wild that this originally was a story about activists planning trouble about the protest and that was bad and then that was revealed to be entirely misleading and then the headline got changed to the protest will be a coronavirus risk now that's an entirely different story the activist planning trouble and this might be a coronavirus risk two different stories you can't just change that headline it sounds like your central thesis is we don't like protests um which i think would have been a much more honest um headline is the age we don't like protests um and and we think cops are great and everybody blow them kisses at this yeah. protest. <laughs> Noel Towell and Tom Cowie reporting that the government doesn't think that you should go to the protest and we agree. Mm. But on on brighter side, uh, footy's back on soon, so go to that because it's <laughs> fine for coronavirus. So that was Thursday. Uh, <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> Friday, The Age issue an apology for that piece of shit article. Um, as we said, they revised to a public health warning. They keep in, like we said, the anonymous government official. Um, and another article comes out from Noel Tao. Um, oh, it's that guy again. Hey, this time he, and this is, this is the best bit is that it was after it all. Uh, he actually names this time Victorian Liberal Party leader Michael O'Brien is um, going to lay the blame of any COVID infections or deaths at the feet of Dan Andrews for this protest. Like, uh, shut up. Yeah. Shut the fuck up. No one cares. Michael O'Brien <laughs> is floundering. He is a nonsense, nothing human. He is, the way he approaches like the media and his tweets and stuff, it, it's like, it's like that meme of the person who's like drowning and screaming for help, but they're kneeling in a kiddie pool. Like it's just <laughs> nothing. Um, uh, and uh, the conversation on Friday as well also published as an article uh, asking why do protests turn violent? Um, it bends itself into some really interesting shapes to avoid saying because the police started. It, it, it yeah, hits but- so many other angles without actually going, oh, it's because police can be antagonists in this. Yeah, they don't say why do police turn violent. Yeah, they, well, I mean, they, they even include police violence as part of... The, the the quote is, We know from decades of research into policing and crowds that violent, heavy-handed treatment from police is a major catalyst of protest violence. Mm. I, I got to say that, like, <laughs> citing violence as a catalyst of violence at that place is like... Well, it, that's not really a catalyst, though. It sounds like if the police violent... If the police violence catalyzes violence at the protest, it sounds like it was already violent. What catalyzed the police violence? It's like saying, how does a fire start? Oh, well, there was another fire just over there. Okay, well, that answers my question. No further questions. Uh, No, no. Why was that fire there? We should be focusing on that fire. 
We know from decades of research into policing and crowds that violent, heavy-handed treatment from the police is a major catalyst in really nasty chants from protesters. <laughs> and other forms of physical assault. Yeah, it's a violent, heavy-handed treatment from police is a major catalyst of protesters trying to get away, but they can't because there's pr- police on the other side who also are pepper-spraying them. Oh, uh, That's I mean, what sets off that violent protest. There's chaotic scenes there, for, like started by the protesters in their desperate attempts to escape from the hands of the cops. Um, we should also call out uh, good stuff as well as bad stuff. Um, Patricia Caravallis on ABC hosts an all-Indigenous panel to talk about race relations in Australia, which is good, but the bar is so fucking low. Like, d- more yeah. of that, please. The ABC, yeah, good, as we will see- I don't see- really want to pat them on the back for it when they've had, like, Blair Cottrell on before. Yeah, so like the ABC, as we will see when we get to Sunday, uh, drop the ball instantly and erase all the goodwill that um, Patricia built up then. But, I mean, look- that is, that is one good thing, and we are a no doomerism, um, equal opportunity podcast. We will call out good things as well as rag on you for bad things. Um, so then Saturday happens. The protest in Sydney 15 minutes beforehand is declared legal. It can go ahead despite COVID concerns. And as, uh, as, as we mentioned, it was peaceful. It was fucking peaceful. I <laughs> so like I, I can't but I can't I can't stress it enough. So I was at IMARC where they were king hitting young girls in the back of the head, breaking the arms of people by trampling them with cops. There was a fuckhead with Eater Dick Hippie a, a sticker on his uh, cam. There was like cunts throwing white national signs at protesters, people of color in the fucking crowd. That the police could have gone fucking ham on these protesters and. Again, I can only speak from the Melbourne position, but I know in Brisbane, sorry, they were they were handing out fucking face masks and hand sanitizer. In Melbourne, I watched the cops seed ground. Yeah, so there was there was uh, an indigenous man at one point towards the tail end of the protest who was fucking going off, and it was some of the best ranting I've seen in a while. He had a megaphone, maybe three meters from some of these cops' faces, and I watched the cops march backwards. They were taking steps back to give him space to try to de-escalate the situation. I didn't see any of the G.I. Joe cosplaying fucking riot cops that they usually deploy at these things. It was just like the high-vis, normal cops. There was such a small police presence in Melbourne that, you know, credit to Trixie Sneaky Dan Andrews, it seems like the Melbourne (laughs) cops have had a talking to, and they de-escalated the situation. They were trying to not be antagonistic, and it fucking worked. These protests all around the country were genuinely fucking peaceful and the fuckheads in New South Wales ruined it. They deliberately took the goodwill that may have been built in a very, very small fraction and just shat all over it. And it turns out nothing controversial. The way that we've avoided these violent protests is by the police not being violent. Um, Turns out it works. In fact, probably could have just not had police there at all and it would have been fine. So that, so that all happens, and as we say, there's uh, kettling and pepper spraying in Sydney, and the media turns out for the cops. Mm, they love them. They just love defending our boys in blue. Oh, big, strong men protecting people. I mean, not protecting the people that just wanted to get home who weren't at the protest. They got fucking pepper sprayed. But the, the amount of horse shit that came out from our fucking media about this. Um, A lot so- of the media didn't even have masks and stuff when they were there. Well, that's the other thing as well. So we we get some reports and we get some um, like news crosses from uh, like the Herald Sun, who ran a Covidiots headline where they were wringing their hands saying, oh, thousands of protesters ignore social distancing amid virus fears. Because by that point, they knew they had fucking nothing. They had nothing to pin the protesters with. There was no violence. There was no spitting. There were the defamatory chants that caused people to irrationally black out and fight people. They just just weren't said. We didn't say the magic words. And so the cops were not turned into rabid monsters more than usual. And the fucking... So the Herald Sun has that. They have their journo, uh, Brianna Travis... Uh, is one of the very few people at the protest not wearing any PPE. They're not wearing any face masks, any covering, any gloves, because, I don't know, I can imagine some fucking senior manager at the newsroom is being like, no, we need to see your face! It's all about footage! Which is just well, it's, fucking this is, garbage. This is for a, a, a newspaper, though. She's just there just being like, oh, I'm not wearing a mask, though. Like, 
I mean, yeah, yeah that's not on camera. She's, she was photographed on a piece of paper. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. She was she was photographed on other people. But so many of these other places have the like people talking uh, through a crowd, and as they're trying to um, they're, they're trying to walk along, um, they get. Uh, like, like the talking head things where it's like, I'm here at the side of Central Station where a handful of protests, while well, they're just surrounded by people trying their best to not be transmitters or vectors for COVID, just fucking spitting. And it's not yeah, even, yeah, yeah. and they're spitting hateful invective as well. It's not even worth catching COVID off that shit. It's just like <laughs> copaganda nothingness. We also had Channel 9 news host Damien Ryan running interference for the cops and having a really hard time of it as well. He was at a um, a live cross to Sydney Central Station where he was trying to say that the uh, the cops here are facing a, a, a redoubling down from the protesters and, and things are going violent here and who's to say who started what, but the cops are trying to get everything under control. While there is a, a black dude behind him just shouting over his shoulder being like, why are you, why are you talking to him? Why aren't you talking to me? Why aren't you talking to me? Police are doing their best to herd, herd them, uh, herd them away. Excuse me, excuse me. And uh, trying to herd them away. They're doing their best. There's been a few scuffles, of course, but generally it's been pretty peaceful. And after a day of controversy and a day which ended in peace. We'll put a link in the show notes. His fucking face at the end of the feed is so fucking good. That's really what good. He, it's what he gets for running propaganda. Because like it was it was painfully obvious to anyone there. There is like footage all over Twitter of what the cops were doing then. And for, to have our journalists try to straight face report on it they always do this as if there's equal sides in this, mm. as if a couple mm. dozen protesters are equal to heavily armed and armored cops. It's also especially good because whenever there is this uh thing of you know just not having enough representation of black people or Aboriginal people in stories like this. They're always like, oh, we just didn't have any black reporters. Oh, we just couldn't find any guests. And you got this guy being there, being <laughs> right there, being like, so interview me. I'm right here. I'm right here. It just <laughs> rubs good. it in our faces so well. That's fucking amazing. Um, uh, Natalie Wolf over at news.com.au has happily put her name to a story that claims that uh, police were forced to pepper spray Sydney ciders, mm. um, which again, like they, that may be edited by the time this goes up with the show notes. But I did think it was interesting that she was forced to say uh, Sydney ciders as one thing, because you can't just say protesters, because we know for a fact that the people in Central Station were pepper <laughs> that were pepper sprayed were also just trying to get home. I also really love that the police were forced to pepper spray Sydney Siders. Right. Like the Sydney Siders like grabbed the police and they, they grabbed his hand and they put it on the OC foam <laughs> and they pushed his finger down. You're spraying it. I know you don't want to spray it, but look at you. You're spraying it. No, sir. Please don't. You've got so much to live for. No, I full, full my mouth full of pepper spray. I, ah! No. It's just, it, yeah. And the, um, so, so. I mean, that is a, a good sort of little divergent as well. The language that the media uses is super fucking important. When they say police were forced to pepper spray Sydney ciders, there's then no investigation into whether or not they may not have needed to. And that's super important to keep in mind because if you just say they were forced, anything you say after it, even if you give reasons for why they did it, are framed as if there was no other option. And we know yeah. that that's bullshit. It's yep. also, she's going out of her way to add unverifiable details, which is usually the opposite of what you do as a journalist. Like, <laughs> if she'd said, police pepper sprayed Sydney ciders, that's pretty much verifiable fact. That's, that's on video. Fact. They sprayed the Sydney ciders. If you say police were forced to, suddenly, hang on, who forced them to? How were they first? Forced. Were they forced? If, now she's got to be saying police were allegedly forced <laughs> it's the passive voice versus the active voice. She's going out of her way to defend the cops. And it is. It's the passive voice versus active voice. Uh, the, Sydney Siders were pepper sprayed somehow. Who knows? It was a, it was a natural thing. And imagine framing that with forced. the active voice. Yeah. Protesters forced police to pepper spray them. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> That'd be insane. <laughs> like, as soon as you just, like, correct the grammar on that sentence, you're like, you sound like a fucking lunatic. Like- <laughs> and you can often find this, like, in stories right next to each other. Protesters yelled stuff versus a protester was shot. 
Like, yeah, it's it's like there's only one group of mm. people there. Yeah, a lot of the stuff you'll see as well is sort of like, like pepper spray was just sort of floating around, <laughs> and protesters were hit with it. I was like, well, who who oh, fucking yeah, pulled the trigger on it? Hit with pepper spray. Yeah, pro- protesters walked into a cloud of pepper spray that was just minding its own damn business, wanting to get <laughs> home at Central Station. Like, no, fucking focus on who was actually aggressive here. Protesters got themselves pepper sprayed. <laughs> this is exactly my point from earlier, though, where, like, the, the way that this language is used, the way that this language is used, listen to me now, the way that journalists use this language right, <laughs> is, to, is to set police up as a force of nature that doesn't really have its own conscience, right? The protesters were being unruly or whatever, and the, the, the police force... Because they're police force, they didn't decide to do anything. Just like as a natural, you know, Isaac Newtonian force, equal opposite reaction, pepper sprayed them, right? Mm. Again, a level of accountability less than a child. When Mm. it's a natural force, it's not even like, oh, well, they're training. It's just like, well, that's what happens, right? So that there is a level of accountability less than a dog, right? Mm. That's a level of accountability (laughs) on, on par with like the ocean, Right, we're just like, oh well, a, a wave destroyed a, a house on the shore. That's that level of accountability. The police that's, no, that's the- even more. That's even that's even more the active. Did it. The house was destroyed. Yeah, at least we're using active voice for the tide. Yeah. <laughs> a wave was forced to destroy a house today. Mm. Yeah, but yeah, going forward, dear listener, like keep an eye out for that kind of grammatical construction where they say something just happened. It doesn't include like who did it to someone it's just like oh this happened you know and take note of the fact that that is honestly treating the police with more contempt than this podcast does because it's like we at least believe the police are people we believe they're bad people <laughs> but when you've got a journalist who's just like oh well what can you expect from them they're police it's you know you can expect a dog that's been trained to not disobey its training but when it's a cop Come on, like, have some respect, Natalie Wolf. At least give them the agency of a human. There's a there's a really good quote from uh, retired editor Paul Wiggins, uh, who tweeted today calling out David Spears, who just for some context is the host of a show, Insiders. He was actually mentioned on some of our very first podcasts for doing a shit job. Um, and so today on time of recording, Insiders, a show on ABC, had uh, a bunch of just white journos talking about um, the, the Black Lives Matter protests that were that were happening. And Paul Wiggins quoted at David Spears, Hey, at David Spears, for more than 20 years, I helped to train reporters to phrase police had to use as police used. The ABC should meet the same accuracy standard. Fucking right they should. And it is, it is genuinely, for me, I used to work, I used to be a fucking broadcaster at the ABC. I used to be, in a very small way, a face of the ABC. And I find it fucking disgusting that they are dropping the ball so hard on this shit. It should be the easiest slam dunk for them to differentiate themselves from the other news agencies, which we need at the moment, to to just report properly. I'm not even saying that they should be more left-wing. Like, they shouldn't be more biased anyway. They should just report the facts properly as opposed to trying to distort the facts to curtail the right-wing factions that want to disable the ABC. It's fucking disgusting. I do disagree that the ABC shouldn't be more left-wing, though. I I think that uh, really any living human should be trying to make themselves a a platform for leftist propaganda at all times, and and (laughs) falling short of that uh, really is failing in their moral duty as a person. But... That's that's me. One thing I've really enjoyed, though, over the last, like, if, if there can be some grim enjoyment taken from it, um, over the last uh, week or so of protests and brands and networks and stuff putting up Black Lives Matters posts mm. is, like, people retweeting them and saying, this you? And, like, a really, like, egregious example of them being hugely racist. Like I have been loving that. <laughs> and it happens so often with Australian networks and um, uh, newspapers as well. I saw a great one from the Guggenheim who put out the usual Black Lives Matter and we believe black people and we've all got to do more. And it was retweeted by uh, the Guggenheim's first and possibly only black curator, certainly the first, quite recently, who said, I was your first ever black curator and you treated me like crap and you didn't even invite me to a panel about the work and screw you. (laughs) <laughs> and it was beautiful. It was a beautiful thing to say. It's just people just ha- fucking had it with, like, having to stay quiet about that shit as well. 
Or the NRL. The NRL. Yes. Oh, my God. With the whole <laughs> Copernic thing, they said, oh, look, we've decided we need to think about black people a bit more and black lives do matter, etc." They didn't mention Copernic even once. Oh, uh, is that how you pronounce his name? Yeah. The player who took a knee? Kaepernick? Kaepernick? Yeah. Okay. I don't follow American sports. Um, but yeah, they didn't mention him <laughs> at all, which is the whole <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's how I know how to pronounce his name is because I love gridiron. It's particularly <laughs> egregious because the NRL has like quite a high level of non-white participation as well. They've got a lot mm. of Pacific Islander players too. So for, to, to make a specific uh, omission like that. Yeah, insane. Two things I sort of want to hit on as we're talking about all this. I think there is a risk that No, there's no risk. Fuck it. It is I just well what I was going to say is there's a risk that we might be sounding like we're really high and mighty because we're, you know, uh, um we're going to these protests and we're going out and we're doing this and that and you know all this sort of stuff. But like the protests that we saw were fucking massive even without a pandemic, but they are extraordinary because of the fact that there is a fucking pandemic happening at the moment. But also, I think it's just worth stressing for anyone who's listening that didn't go because they were scared, that didn't know whether they should go or not, that's worried about other people that did. This is, for us at least, genuinely unprecedented. And I don't believe... At the moment, there is a right or wrong answer to whether you should go in person to a protest during a pandemic. I I don't know if that's the case, but I definitely do know that people don't know how to feel right now. So if you feel nervous or if you feel shame or if you feel guilty or whatever, like that's valid. I, I don't think you should feel bad for having a whole bunch of shitty emotions and you don't know how to like to pass it within yourself. Like, there are things you can do if you're too worried about yourself or someone else going to these to these protests. There, we'll, we'll put a bunch of um, links in the show notes of all these different things you can do to help. Um, but just know that, like, we don't fucking know what we're doing either. We're trying our best at the moment. Mm. But, like, you are allowed to feel worried. It's not irrational to have to face an irrational situation like an uncontained global pandemic and not know how um, to act during that. I just want to add also really quickly as well, um, with that sort of the feelings that you have, um, it, it, I think this is applies generally to like your feelings about uh, police violence against um, like, you know, indigen- the indigenous population and generally just white supremacy in general. I think it's also important that if you're if you're white, you need to remove your feelings from the matter a bit as well. Like you can feel like guilt for not, you know, participating in these actions because it's a particularly, you know, difficult circumstance. But also it's not really about your feelings, if that makes sense. Like y- hmm. you need to decentralize yourself from it and think about what, like, you know, well, I can't do that, but what can I do? And there's lots of ways to do, lots of things that you can do and lots of really creative ways to help as well. Yep. Um, can I go even more broadly for a second? Uh, the thing about not knowing how to feel and, and making up things as we go along, I think is very important in general right now. We are living in the cool zone um, where the normal rules do not apply. <laughs> yep. Like ev- everything's fucked and weird right now and that's not going to go away. Uh, I'm going to put this out here. That's never going to go away. Um, things are going to get weirder and that has pros and cons because – Suddenly, the normal rules do not apply and things can change, which we're seeing right now in America. Um, but the con is you no longer have the comfort of your normal rules and the normal um, sort of mental guidelines that you could apply to things to see what was right to do and what was wrong to do. Now we're having to think through things as they come and there's always the risk of doing things wrong. There's always the risk of making mistakes. Um, nobody knows the exact right way to do anything anymore. Um, that's okay, though, because we just have to try our best. Um, and we're figuring out the right ways to do things. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, there's a pretty obviously. solid argument to be made that, like, considering we've ended up here in this time of, you know, like, incredible racial strife, mm-hmm. but also, you know, like, climate crisis mm-hmm. and uh, all that stuff, like, 
maybe people didn't know what to do beforehand either. For sure. Maybe, we can be maybe pretty nobody's sure. ever known what to do. <laughs> we, yeah. we can certainly be pretty sure the way we were doing things before wasn't the right way. Um, and you can be pretty sure that the people who have been running things previously did not have the right idea because they let us hear. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a time for taking in information, listening to people, figuring things out and, and yeah, not being afraid to be uncomfortable. If you're not uncomfortable, you're not uh, probably trying hard enough. Yeah. Uh, one last point that I wanted to make about the um the the fact that the coronavirus the, the the fact that the protests went ahead despite the pandemic risk is there's sort of a lot of coverage around this like oh well, you know, don't these people know that there's a pandemic or oh, now the pandemic's not a problem even though they were saying that the like anti-lockdown protests a couple mm. of weeks ago were ridiculous. <laughs> like the coronavirus risk in the protests is real. There can like, be two the, problems. There, there can be two problems, exactly. It, it, it's just that attending the protest is also important. I, I didn't attend the protest. I stayed at home because I am a huge hypochondriac. I have This whole pandemic has really messed with my head. Um, and I kind of am concerned that I'm developing a genuine case of for realsies agoraphobia that's going oh, to take years to deal with. Oh, me too. This is the first time I've been This is the first time I've been to the city for three months. Yeah. But but that's the thing. It's like just just because there's a coronavirus risk, it doesn't mean that you you shouldn't go. It means that yeah, there, that there's two problems on at once. And I think it's really important to acknowledge that, especially for the indigenous people that were attending the protest, they were attending the protest to preserve their own lives. They are being murdered in custody mm. pretty regularly. So yeah. the thing of like, oh, well, you know, don't you realize that it's a risk to your life to go to the, the, the protest when the pandemic's on? It's like, it's a fucking risk to not go, guys. Like, th this is a, this is a, it's a trade-off and it's a hard trade-off. Mm. Yeah, there is, it needs to be stressed with all of our conversation around how the cops acted and how the media is, blah, 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 blah. 432 Indigenous people have died in police custody since 1990 after there was a fucking inquest into it and not a single, not a single police officer or anyone related to the police has been convicted of any fucking charges. Hey all, just got to cut in here with a quick amendment to the pod. There's a uh, story that we missed when we first recorded this, but on Friday, the day before the national protests against police brutality and Indigenous deaths in custody, a 40-year-old Aboriginal man died in Western Australia in a privately run prison. This is why we were out on the streets, and this is why more people will be out on the streets for many fucking months to come until some proper change happens in this goddamn country. Not a single police officer or anyone related to the police has been convicted of any fucking charges. I refuse to believe that out of 432 deaths, there wasn't at least one fucking person criminally culpable for that fucking death. That needs to be remembered. Yeah, I saw I, I don't have a link to this one because I just remember seeing it, but like there's also a pandemic of violence against indigenous people. That's it. Like that that you can have two problems. Actions. Donate. Um give money to the warriors of the Aboriginal resistance war. Uh they were the um primary organizers of the rally yesterday. Um, and they've asked now to cease like direct donations to them because um, they've they've managed. I think they they've been raising money to pay off uh, the fines that they've received for organising the rally. But they've also directed uh, people to give money to the families of David Dungay Jr., Kuman J. Walker, Tanya Day, and Joyce Clark. So we'll put a lot of links in the show notes uh, to yeah, them. And those uh, those names that we listed are all um, Aboriginal folk who've uh, died in custody. That's right. Uh, and, of course, pay the rent. Have a yes. recurring donation to pay the rent. Um, I think I read somewhere that they get tens of thousands of dollars a month now thanks to people raising oh, attention to pay the rent. Nice. That's awesome. Um, some other good ones that you could give to as well um, would be Sisters Inside, who um, raise money essentially to help uh, female Indigenous people um, deal with the cops and the court systems. And also um, Aboriginal legal services are just always doing good work and could always use whatever cash um, you can give them. And you should give them a yeah. lot. 
Sisters Inside, I want to clarify something about that one, because that one I I did some more reading on this week, and it's genuinely very bleak, which is that in Western Australia, you can go to prison for unpaid fines. And there are a lot of women who are not just like, oh, they need the money to deal with the court systems, but who have unpaid fines. And so they are put in prison. Uh, where it's very hard to save money. Uh, and so the, the Sisters Inside Fund is just like paying off their fines and getting them out of jail. I was but- actually just going to add to that as well and just say follow Debbie Kilroy on Twitter. She's um, the primary um, organiser of Sisters Inside. Uh, and you learn so much just about the, the prison system in Western Australia and why, like, you know, having to pay off these fines. It's just insane. Shout outs. Shout outs to those charities and organizers we just list- listed. Yeah. Um, and honestly, <laughs> I, shout I would- out to everyone who did go to any of the rallies. Like, mm, it, yeah. it, I'm, having failed to make the decision myself, it's a really scary decision to make to, to go and show your support like that. You're genuinely putting your body on the line to stand up for Aboriginal rights. And I have nothing but respect for that. I, I especially yeah. especially those people in New South Wales who did it, even though it was illegal uh, or because it was illegal. Good on you. Yeah. <laughs> that was the deciding factor for them. <laughs> I, mean, well, I wasn't going to go, but I was told I can't. This is shit. I'm going. <laughs> yeah. if, if politicians tell you not to go to a protest, yeah. I think that's generally a really good rule of thumb. That's a protest you should go to. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, rule of thumb, not a hard rule. Like if United Patriots front, we're going to do something. Anyway, the shout-outs has gone too long again. <laughs> they don't tell you not to go to those. Yeah, no, they encourage attendance. It helps swell the they police go, numbers. Oh, right. It's freedom of speech, you know. Get out there. It's a free country. Get out from under the doona. Go, go rally against 5G or something. Thanks again for listening to another episode of Not Good Enough. We would love it if you got in touch with us. You can do so on the socials at notgoodpod or send us an email, notgoodpod at protonmail.com. Also be sure to rate us wherever you can, share it far and wide and tell your friends. We really appreciate it. Not Good Enough was recorded on the lands of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respect to elders past, present and emerging and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded.